Hey, I'm Sarah. I'm a journalist based in Ottawa. I've been overwhelmed lately by a curiosity in misinformation and disinformation and its impact on the journalism industry. Not only is it changing the way journalists report, but it's changing the credibility of their reporting. It's becoming too easy for demagogues and their supporters to attack journalists as purveyors of false news over simple critique, the very essence of journalism. Something that's also sparked the interest of World Press Freedom Canada, an organization that monitors and defends press freedom. So I'm teaming up with them to peel back the layers of this issue, starting with the basics and ending with a bit of a clearer path forward so we can identify and quash misinformation and disinformation when we see it and better understand the integrity of good journalism. So stick around for the journey. Welcome back. We're heading into the next stage of our journey about policing the spread of misinformation and disinformation online. In a new report, the Public Policy Forum's Commission on Democratic Expression argues the time has come to regulate social media giants without infringing on our freedom of speech. It's a fine balance, as one of the authors of the report told me. You might know her. She was the first woman to hold the position of Chief Justice at the Supreme Court of Canada. The Right Honourable Beverly McLaughlin, along with her fellow commissioners, heard from experts and came to the conclusion that Canada cannot leave regulatory duties to the social media giants themselves. There must be an independent oversight and enforcement body. So what powers would that regulator hold? How much involvement should the government have? And how do we avoid censorship while also safeguarding against misinformation and disinformation? Let's find out. And joining me now is the Right Honourable Beverly McLaughlin. Hello, Ms. McLaughlin. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Hello to you. Hello. Great. Great to have you. So let's get started here. The commission noted there is a range of harmful communications that we should be concerned about, ranging from criminal hate speech to online harassment. Where does disinformation and misinformation fall on the spectrum in terms of a threat to democratic expression in your mind? Yeah, this is really interesting. It's such a new concept that we need to be afraid of, you know, lies, theories, etc. cetera. Um, we've always lived in a democracy that we assumed was robust enough mm-hmm. to, uh, to handle a little misinformation, and it's always been there. But a couple of things have happened. The first is that uh, the force of misinformation has been magnified mm-hmm. by the by the uh, internet and uh, and uh, the siloing uh, of uh, various uh, uh, points of view and the instant messaging. Uh, so uh, and there's just so much information that people are ready to believe all sorts of things. And mm. so uh, we now find that a disinformation can be harnessed to be a very uh, powerful force that that can threaten uh, democratic um, functioning because democracy depends on people being informed to some level of what's going on and having the right information and misinformation, then it's a problem. Right, absolutely. Um, now, in this in this episode, we're talking about regulating social media and demand and, and, and questioning whether or not social media companies should be taking more responsibility for their content. Um, what currently 
exists in Canada to deal with the proliferation of disinformation and misinformation on social media. And, and, and here we're distinguishing between sort of the deliberate and malicious campaign of disinformation and a harmful but less organized spread of misinformation. So what exists already in dealing with that? Or is it completely rogue? Well, uh, we do have provisions in the criminal code uh, against um, hate speech. And that can be, those can be marshaled uh, in the criminal sector to lead to uh, crimes. Um, we have very security monitoring through organizations like CSIS and the RCMP and so on mm. that can sometimes lead to visits or action or whatever. Uh, and there may be other things, uh, but uh, we all, all have human rights statutes and there are remedies under them. So there's a kind of scattered uh, uh, a pattern or, 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 or group of, of, of remedies. The problem is that they're uh, not always swift and fast. Mm. The criminal proceedings take a terribly long time and they're aimed at one harm, which is hate crime, which is hard to prove. Mm. Uh, there's also a, a libel, slander, disinformation, but the legal the legal tools we have at the moment don't seem up to really coping with the fast uh, right. spread of news um, uh, and misinformation. So they need to be rejuvenated, obviously, to, to come up with the times. Now, the commission argues that leaving that duty, like the regulating duty to the platforms themselves hasn't worked and might not work. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem to be feasible. How, how did you kind of come to that conclusion? What, what did you study to come to that conclusion? Uh, well, we listened to experts from around the world. We listened to, uh, we studied what's happening in Europe, uh, what's happening in England, uh, what's happening in uh, different jurisdictions. And we also looked at what uh, the uh, platforms, the internet um, platforms are providing, which is more than it used to be, as we saw in the last American election. Uh, there were some responses uh, to certain uh, statements. Uh, but all in all, um, that led us to the conclusion that some sort of regulation is necessary. I think it's important that the networks uh, practice uh, self-regulation mm. and, and take, take responsibility. But what we're saying is that there should be a regulatory framework whereby they are required to act responsibly and they could, it should be supported by a code of ethics so everybody knows what, what should be done. And there should be some other mechanisms uh, through, uh, through the regulator uh, to uh, the commissioner, whatever you, whatever that person is called, uh, to uh, deal with problems quickly and immediately. Uh, we know that, for example, in the Quebec City massacre, there yeah. was hate messaging going on right up to the time, and it was not being taken down, and that is believed by many people to have been uh, a cause in the terrible things that happened. And uh, so uh, we need to have... In some circumstances, rarely um, a takedown mechanism, right. and uh, and when it's going to be a threat to life. But we also need other mechanisms. We need to have a place where people can uh, raise complaints, and so we're proposing a digital uh, e-court 
um, mm. where, where, you know, you go online and you'd say, this is happening in me. I'm being bullied or harassed or whatever it is. And how do I deal with it? And there would be experts who know how to deal with those things. And it would be done fairly. And the other side would be contacted. And that would probably the platform and the perpetrator. And that might, um, in most cases, just lead to cessation. So there's a variety of responses. But mm. something I think needs to be done in addition. The, the networks need guidance. And I think you need the support of a state structure to help them do their job of monitoring what's what's on them. Right. And I think we've seen a few of them. Uh, Facebook's Kevin Chan come forward say, saying, you know, we, we actually welcome this because it would give us some structural guidelines as to right. how to proceed. The One of the recommendations in the report is, is that uh, the duty to act responsibly. Is that... Mm-hmm what you're referring to in that there is still an onus on these platforms to, 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 to continue to monitor this. Yeah. And to end on the perpetrators, everybody should use this responsibly, mm-hmm. this powerful weapon of, of, of enhanced speech, which the internet has given us is a wonderful thing in many ways that right. there's us flourishing and lots of expression and creativity, but we have to all use it responsibly and everybody involved from the, first perpetrator, the person who's messaging to the platform, et cetera, should understand that just as in, in any kind of speech, the law has always held a duty to act responsibly. You can't cry fire falsely in a crowded court, uh, a crowded theater, right. uh, it was famously said by Oliver Wendell Holmes. And, and so that the duty to act responsibly is really important. I think the United Kingdom calls it a duty of care, we, we thought it would be better just to say a duty of responsibility because the duty of care is mixed up with legal concept. But that was, that was our, ch- our choice as we discussed it. Right. Actually, I want to pick up on something there because as someone who is intimately familiar with the Canadian Constitution, I want to ask you, how do you navigate between conflicting rights? Like, for instance, the freedom of expression versus security of the person and the right not to be harassed or intimidated like how, how do you yeah how do you navigate between those conflicting items well that is that's that's the fundamental question uh and and it lies at the heart of everything we're talking about um in a democracy such as ours and this is guaranteed by our charter of rights and freedoms uh we have freedom of expression but you know the charter starts off with section one which says that the state that the government, the state can can limit rights insofar as this can be justified in a free and democratic society. So we all know we have rights, but we know those rights aren't absolute. Hmm. And that sometimes in the interest of the greater public good or to prevent harms to individuals, those rights have to be limited. You 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 have a right to throw a ball, but not into a window of a residence. Right. You have that, that's a trivial example, but you have a right to uh, say what you want. But if you, uh, there are limits imposed by the law, limits mm. of defamation, limits of libel and slander, the limit I just referred to of, you know, not uh, crying, uh, falsely crying fire in a, in a, in a theater, crowded right. theater. Um, and, uh, and, and we all understand that speech is a wonderful thing and it should be allowed to be free right? as long as it's not hurting other people. Uh, and then you have to impose some limits when it's hurting other people. 
or hurting our democracy. Right. And I guess where the tricky thing, too, comes in with misinformation and disinformation specifically is like it could it might not be hateful or it might not be um, outwardly vicious, but it's intended to deceive. And so it's almost like having to redefine that definition. Yeah, that's a slippery concept, though, because you know, know. A lot of, uh, we, we live in a world of fictional characters, a lot going on intending to deceive. So the law kind of focuses on intention to deceive when it has an, when it's fraudulent, when it has an effect on uh, that is nefarious and so on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, there is that aspect about it. And some people are saying, well, there should be a broader um, criminal protection against uh, anything that's a lie or false information. We didn't go that far because right. that would be a huge in, impingement on freedom of speech and probably very difficult to uh, to uh, to rec- uh, to monitor and and yeah. enforce. Yeah, hugely. And to yeah, okay. So speaking to that, I mean, so the the commission also recommends that a government must the government must play a more active role in in furthering the case of uh, democratic expression and protecting Canadians from mm-hmm. online harms. What are you concerned that by giving a go- the government and this is a common argument, but giving the argue giving the government a more active role in in doing this um, gives too much power to the government. Well, what we're what we're envisaging in the commission is sort of an arm's length independent body. Okay, uh, and it's very important we recognize the independence of these various bodies that do different things in our democracy. Um, and uh, and no, uh, I don't think any of us envisage the direct government right to uh, interfere, but there would be a, a commissioner or a person responsible for this and a board and 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 people who ha- have have to follow the law that's laid down by Parliament, come up with a code of ethics. Uh, there may be certain points where, governmental approval, of, for example, of a code of ethics would be part of the package. I don't know what kind of package the government will come up with, but right. but, but I think it's very important to have the actual regulation at arm's length yeah. and, and independent. And we have to maintain that independence. Uh, uh, and it's for the government's protection too. You know, yeah. uh, they, they, they shouldn't be seen as, as meddling in free speech. When you get governments saying what you can say and what you can't say directly, then that's very, very um, dangerous ground, I think, in a democracy because governments always have their own political interests, right, Uh, by nature in a democracy. So, uh, yeah, so it has to be independent. It has to be independent. Yeah. Okay. Very important. Um, and and so let's in a hypothetical world talk about the re- let's say that's this regulator. Would they then have the power to impose fines? I'm trying to think of how a regulator could impose Canadian laws even on sites used by Canadians, but when the cam- the companies themselves aren't in Canada, you know. Oh, it's 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 a thorny thing and uh, and a difficult thing. Um, the uh, Fines are are part of, I think, the arsenal uh, that most that most uh, countries looking at this kind of legislation. And and I can tell you, they all the all the democracies, Western democracies, and so on are are looking at it or have done it. Fines are part of the arsenal. Uh, takedown orders, other things like that. Uh, but 
uh, yeah, it is, it is uh, difficult to enforce. I think that's where your question's going yeah, because yeah, a lot yeah. of these countries, uh, companies rather, platforms are international, but they do business in Canada. And okay. so they want to do business in Canada. So uh, we can say these are the terms of doing business here. Hmm. And, uh, and if, you, if you don't like them, I guess the consequences ultimately would be to shut them down, which happens in, 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 in non-democratic countries all the time. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope that would never happen. But there is that ultimate uh, issue. If you want to do business, you have to do it responsibly in accordance with our rules. So, so you can put pressure on that way. Uh, and the other thing is, I think, I think as, as things move forward, we're going to see international cooperation, which will be essential mm. in the final analysis. Mm. Uh, in the United States, Canada, Australia, Germany, England, and a, a host of other countries. Uh, I'm just speaking of, of Western countries now, but, but beyond that, one can envision many countries throughout Asia and so on in Africa. When we get those, if, if we could get international action covenants or, or treaties whereby, you know, people ultimately agree to what the basic standards are and, and agree to enforce each other's um, right. uh, edicts, uh, then uh, we would uh, we would be able to have an international enforcement regime, which exists commercially. I mean, uh, our arbitrators and international court yeah. judges and so on, they are enforced in different countries. And they're enforced largely through statutes and international agreements between countries that say, uh, if you uh, issue a judgment against company A in, in uh, Malaysia, it will be enforced in Hong Kong or right. it will be enforced in Canada. And if countries agree to do that, then you have uh, a, a mutual enforcement regime that's global or, or at least much broader than a single country. And that could be very powerful. It's a great point, because if you think about the power, I mean, can, Canada's got power, but Canada doesn't have the kind of power that some of its allies do. We've seen in, in, um, uh, in Germany that and elsewhere, some um, arguing the rules how, or the laws have been too reactive. And you touched on this a little bit briefly, mm -hmm. um, you know, that mechanism to quickly remove content that presents imminent threat. How do you mitigate going, becoming too reactive? Well, I think it's a delicate uh, balance and, and uh, different people will have different views, but um, I think my view uh, is that while this, this power is necessary for rare and extreme kinds of speech, it would be seldom used. I mean, I think we have to always, and whoever's regulating, the regulator will always be aware of that balance we talked about between freedom of speech. And you start from the premise yeah. of freedom of expression, and then you limit it only insofar as you can really justify it. And that goes not only to the fact of limitation, but the kind of limitation now takedown order is very very uh, serious and you wouldn't be taking down very much because it's censorship right yeah. and uh, so you have to be very very careful with what you take down hmm. 
my last question, and it's a personal question. I just curious, what, what point did you start to see this happening from an external, you know, you, you, you look out and you see, okay, social media is really ramping up. It's someone who's so close to closely tied to, you know, the, the laws and, and, and how we can function as a society. Like what, at what point were you kind of going, oh yeah, Canadian laws are going to have to be updated big time. No, good, good question, but I can't really recall, you know, because it, 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 I think it was only a few years ago, three mm-hmm. or four years ago, because, uh, you know, we sort of go through life thinking everything's fine and right. we have these platforms. I know I, w- I was, I remember wondering about when Facebook started, which was, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Don't quote me on it, but a long time ago. Right. Uh, I remember thinking, how is this going to be managed? Because right. people... Uh, all my friends and so on were signing on. I never did because I was a judge and and mm-hmm. I didn't think I should be out there making statements of any sort that could be misinterpreted. But mm-hmm. uh, but I did see a lot of other people and, and I say, well, how do you prevent your comment from being twisted or used in another way or repeated? And mm-hmm. I was asking those questions, but mm-hmm. this whole phenomenon of... Um, disinformation as a, a threat to democracy uh, and active manipulation of data as a threat mm-hmm. to, mono- to democracy. Sometimes it seems under the ages of other, other, other foreign, other co- countries that just hit me uh, three or four years ago, yeah. you know, well, when Hillary Clinton was right and saw the start of that, and then it all took on a new dimension. And I think that's where we are now. It's uh, and it pops even further than I realized because this is always ahead of what you think. It seems historically, yes. you think you've got a problem, but the problem has moved on to something else, and right. then you realize, oh, <laughs> I missed that. Now we've yeah. got to move on. Well, because it moves so quickly. Yeah. Um, listen, any 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 concluding thoughts? Did I miss anything? No, I uh, think you've, you've we we really discussed the. A lot in this uh, and yeah. and the high points and all, all I want to say is that this is a vital uh, this business of the ex- how and and we 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 uh, regulate um, the internet and how we go about it is a delicate business it's got to be very carefully undertaken but it is a vital um, active it's a vital enterprise that I think uh, we as uh, members of democracies uh, must engage in at this point. Well, all I can say is I'm glad you're part of the process. Right, Honorable Beverly McLaughlin, thank you so much for joining. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure. Coming up next episode, we look forward. Where do we go from here and what role can each of us play in mitigating the spread of misinformation and disinformation? Stick around. We'll chat with you then. Thank you.